and welcome to this episode of The Weekly Wrap. I am Jenny Ryan and we'll be telling you what you can expect to read about in the 30 April issue of Farmers Weekly, which will be on shelf on 23 April. As this week's issue focuses on pig production and animal feed, on the cover this week is a sow and her piglet. The articles in the focus include an article about biosecurity on a budget. Biosecurity does not have to set you back too much and is vital to implement to ensure that your farm remains productive. Another article in the focus is on different pig breeds on the local market and tips on choosing the right breed for your operation. The animal feed article is all about cutting costs and reducing waste. As animal feed is becoming more and more expensive with commodity prices on the rise, this article explains how you can improve the efficiency of your animal's feed without skimping on nutrition. Also in the cover is an article on building a more resilient global food chain as well as new kiwi fruit varieties that promise local growers export-led profits. So let's start with the focus. In an online article published this week, Farmers Weekly reported that 15,000 pigs were being culled on a farm near Potchefstroom after African swine fever was confirmed on the farm. ASF is spreading across the world at a rapid pace, as is seen in another recent outbreak in China. So what does this have to do with you? If you plan on starting a pig operation or wish to expand an already existing operation, the importance of biosecurity cannot be overstated. One of the articles in this week's issue thus explains how you can implement biosecurity on your pig farm without it costing you an arm and a leg. Dr. Peter Evans, a veterinary liaison officer at the South African Pork Producers Organization, says that small-scale piggeries are often at risk of spreading or contracting diseases, as biosecurity on smaller farms may be poor or even non-existent. With the amount of small pig farms on the rise in peri-urban areas, biosecurity has never been more important. One of the tips Evan shares is that farmers should only buy replacement pigs from a single trusted pig farmer. He also says that you should avoid buying pigs from unknown sellers, particularly if the price is especially low, there's an ASF outbreak in the area, or you're uncertain of the health status of the pigs. He adds that you should avoid buying from pig traders or at auctions where the health status of the pigs is unknown. When you've bought your replacement or new pigs, keep them separate from the rest of your herd for at least two weeks and keep a careful eye on them to ensure that they show no, no signs of disease. Evans also says that farmers need to keep an eye on who comes onto the farm. Humans and implements, for example, can unwittingly spread disease around the farm. This also applies to feed, especially swill, he says. So restrict access to your pigs and premises where they are kept. Only you, your laborers and health officials should have any contact with the animals. If you do have visitors on the land, make sure they disinfect or change their footwear before entering the production premises. A cost-efficient way of preventing contamination by a visitor's shoes is to provide plastic bags that they can pull over their footwear. The bag should be strong enough for the duration of the visit. The bag breaking is a health hazard. Also provide disinfectant so that health officials, for example, can clean and disinfect their footwear before and after a visit. If you have laborers on the farm, make sure that they have dedicated work boots that don't leave the premises. These must also be disinfected on a daily basis. All equipment or implements used between pig houses should be cleaned and disinfected after each use. Also be careful of feeding your pigs undercooked or raw leftovers that include pork. This, he says, should never be fed to pigs. Evans provides other tips in the article, which you can read when you buy your copy on 23 April, and all of these tips are cost-efficient. Implementing a biosecurity strategy should not cost you a lot of money, but it can end up saving your business and securing your income. In the other focus article this week, Dr. Dani Fisser, an agricultural advisor and strategic analyst, looks at the different types of pig breeds available in South Africa and the qualities of these breeds and how they may particularly be useful to certain types of operations. 
For example, the land race and large white breeds are two of the most popular commercial pig breeds in South Africa and are particularly known for their mothering traits, whereas the Duroc, another popular breed in South Africa, is known for its excellent growth and meat qualities. Of course, you don't have to stick to purebred animals. Crossbreeding will improve hybrid vigor in your herd. These breeds are ideal for intensive production and show good growth. Farmers who run their operations on small holdings or are interested in producing free-range pigs should consider the indigenous Colebrook breed. This is the only registered indigenous breed in South Africa and has played an important role in food security over many decades, says Fissard. Colebrook shows great adaptability and resilience to a wide range of climatic conditions. They can therefore be raised outdoors with great success. The Colebrook is also a good grazer with sows maintaining good condition throughout production. Fissa says it is only during lactation that sows may need a little extra feed. The Colebrook may not boast the same growth rate or litter size of other breeds, but breeders of this breed say that it has an excellent meat quality. The Colebrook is also undoubtedly hardy. As with other breeds, it can be crossbred with the Dura, for example, to produce an animal that is both hardy and a good grower. In the other focus article this week, Dr. Leon Eckermans, director at Best of Feed and Grain, shares his strategies to reduce feed cost and prevent wastage. Feed makes up 65 to 75% of a piggery or poultry operation. This means that when the price of feed ingredients goes up, so does the cost of feeding your animals. As such, you need to ensure that you are getting the most out of your animals and the feed that you provide. So, for starters, Ekman says that you should farm the most efficient animals you can afford for your production environment. However, this is not the be-all and end-all of feed efficiency. The most feed-efficient animals may still be unproductive because of stress, feed quality and ingredients, feed delivery methods, and environmental factors. A few issues ago, Farmers Weekly looked at how humidity can affect an animal's desire to eat, for example, and how this can have a direct impact on feed efficiency. The same goes for pigs and poultry. As such, you need to try and control these factors as much as possible. Complete control is obviously not possible, but some control is doable. One of the first steps to take in improving feed efficiency is to determine just how feed efficient your animals are. This means that they should be regularly weighed to see if they have reached predetermined weight targets. You can then, then adjust the feed as needed. You should also keep track of how much feed you are giving your animals. If you don't know how much you're giving, you can't be sure how feed efficient your animals are. You also need to avoid stressing your animals to improve feed efficiency. This means keeping stocking rates at an acceptable ratio and keeping animals of different ages in different groups or camps as much as possible. Overstocking leads to competition for food and water, which induces stress. Eckerman says that the general guideline is that at least a third of the animals should have access to a feeder or drinker at any given time. Also make sure that your animals have access to drinkable water, which aids digestion and feed intake. Another tip to reduce stress and waste in this instance is to ensure that feeding and drinking equipment work optimally. Access to feed and water means nothing if the equipment fails. Check the equipment regularly to make sure that there are no leaks, blockages, or breakages. Also make sure to clean the equipment regularly to prevent the spread of disease. Ekermans also discusses what to do to ensure comfortable climatic conditions, whether you should mix your own feed, and whether it is a good idea to feed your pigs and poultry kitchen scraps. If you want the lowdown on this, please go out and buy the Farmers Weekly 30 April issue. There's a wealth of information on this issue for aspiring and small-scale farmers. The crops featured this week is on low-chill varieties of kiwi fruit being produced in the Western Cape. Peter Turner of SA Kiwi Pollen says that these varieties hold great promise for growers in this province. There are big opportunities for kiwi growers in South Africa, he says, as the country currently only has around 300 hectares under production. South Africa also imports 95% of its kiwi requirements. 
He says this is the ideal opportunity for South Africa to become self-dependent in kiwi production. As South Africa is the most northern producer in the Southern Hemisphere, he says growers here are ideally placed to supply kiwi fruit to international markets earlier than its competitors, which include Chile and New Zealand. However, these two countries produce significantly more kiwi fruit than South Africa at the moment, with Chile planting 9,000 hectares to kiwi and New Zealand planting 12,000 hectares. Turner says that he is convinced that South Africa has a bright future on the kiwi fruit market. He also discusses how to establish an orchard and climate condition requirements. So if you're interested in this particular fruit, you don't want to miss this article. We don't often discuss columns in this podcast, but I'd like to take a quick look at, the, at horse talk this week. Uh, Dr. Mack discusses how to load your horse into a box, which can be a massive headache for horse riding competitors and horse sellers and buyers, or even if you just need to move your horse from one piece of land to another. Dr. Mack talks about a few techniques that you can use to make the loading of your horse less of a headache. She stresses, however, that a whip or crop should never be used on a horse reluctant to enter the box, as this can be dangerous to the horse and the handlers. She also discusses the use of tranquilizers that are legal for competitive horses, as well as the horse's psychology and why it is reluctant to get into the box. This is a great article for anyone that struggles with loading. In the news this week, Farmers Weekly reports on a new online platform for grain trading. This platform, called TANUP, is the first ever online grain trading platform in South Africa and aims to make grain trading more transparent and easier. The platform also cuts out the grain differential and buyers and sellers are able to discuss transport costs between themselves. In another news article, we look at guard dogs' impact on wildlife. Researchers at Nottingham University in the UK say that 80 wildlife species have been affected by livestock guarding dogs and that 78% of these are non-target species. These included small mammals that don't prey on livestock, a range of herbivores and birds. While these dogs help reduce farmers' use of poison and other lethal predator management approaches, more research had to be done on the impact of these dogs on the broader wildlife ecology. Lastly, Farmers Weekly looks at the current land price trends in South Africa and the effect COVID-19, climate conditions and expropriation without compensation policies are having on farm sales. That is all for this week. Remember to follow us on social media and to get in touch with us if you have anything to say or ask about agriculture in Africa. The 30 April issue will be on shelf on 23 April. Go out and buy it. You won't regret it. Until next time, stay safe and happy farming.